This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Let's bring on Mr. O'Connor. Joel, good morning. What's going on, Spencer? How are we doing? How are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, Wow, what a chop fest here in the uh, pre-market trading after hours trading, similar to that wicked last two hours of the session. But when it boils down to it, we're up uh, four and three quarters handles at 44.8850. Made one little weak attempt to bust into the 4,500 handle. That was just after seven when we thought we had some positive news coming out of the Ukraine. That turned out to be negative news. So we're back down, uh, trying to hold the close today, uh, 75.75. And um, I don't know, got to get back over 4,500. I'd feel a little bit you know, better that uh, you know, this is a little bit of a buy the dip opportunity. However, if we take out that low from yesterday, not good, not good, not good. All right, crude's up 233 at 98.56, just hanging out under triple digits. Gold in the green by 10.90.1934. Silver up just about 13 cents, 24.59. Uh, Bitcoin not performing well for all the people at that conference. That's up $70 at 43,845. And Ethereum futures, they're up $38 at 32.59. So let's bring in Triple D here. Triple Yo. D, how you doing? How you doing? Okay, what's going on? Not much. Chop fest uh, in that pre-market trading. How did they? How did you, they treat you with that that uh, eight p.m. close and that that four a.m. open? No, we're still getting chopped up here pretty good. I mean, we rallied. We had a headline breaking around seven ten that they were saying something about you know something talks good. again, and then Russia Ooh. immediately after saying no talks again. So we rallied. We sell off. We're headline-driven. We continue to be headline-driven. That's not going to go away anytime soon. If you're ignoring headlines, you're ignoring a lot of money. All right. So I guess we got we got to start with this, uh, with Warren. We got to. Uh, yep. We got we to got start it. with Warren. And uh, give us the news, Spencer. Give us the so, Spencer interpretation. So, all right. All right. Yeah. Maybe I should share my screen here. So the news is Warren Buffett has purchased some uh, shares of Hewlett Packard, ticker HPQ. That was according to a uh, Form 4 filing that I'm going to share right now on my screen. Uh, filing hit last night. And uh, let me make that smaller here. Filing hit last night. You can see uh, four purchases made between April 4th and April 6th for a total of, of I'm looking at this column here, about 11 million shares is what he bought over the course of four days there. Now, Here's the question. Here's there. There's some confusion here, and amongst us, and I think amongst the market as well, yeah. is was this a new stake? Here is why. Here is the what makes you think it is not a new stake. Okay, if you just look a little bit to the right on this table here, let me make it. Uh, let me scroll up a little bit. If you make if you move a little bit to the right to column five here, yeah. right. Column four shows the purchases that were made this week. Column five shows the amount of uh, securities that he owned following the most recent transactions. Now you can see, according to column five, he's got a, a hundred. He already has a stake. One hundred twenty-one million shares. Yeah. So okay, so he bought eleven million. 
and now he as a after after that 11 million share purchase now he's got 121 million shares give or take right so this would have this would indicate not a new stake i i know where you're going i or i got to figure it out too however however if i share a different tab here on my screen let me do that yeah. right now and go straight into the sec filing on edgar right this is his filing as of this is from uh what february, february february 15th as of the end of the year right yeah. most recent filing okay these are all the stocks that berkshire hathaway owns okay stop me when you see hpq stop me when you see hpq oh wait you don't because it's yeah. not in there so and and here's why we didn't see a filing before this is because he wasn't over 10 percent Yes, I, I I had to think about it, and initially I'm like, why are they saying this is a new stake? He didn't have a new stake. You can clearly see he already owned shares. He definitely did own shares before this purchase, but we did not know that. They don't have to file their regular um, the, the filing that they just filed until he's over ten percent. Yes, we would have noticed on the thirteen F, which would hasn't come yet. But because he wasn't over 10%, he didn't have to disclose and file those initial purchases. So he has been purchasing it, obviously, since February 15th. And that is why when you initially read it, you're like, well, this is just adding to a stake. But then you go and look, and you're like, oh, no, he didn't own Hewlett Packard. So why didn't we see those filings before? The reason we didn't see them was because he wasn't over 10%. Now that he's over 10%, they have to file, what, within two days? Uh, I, I believe so. I think yeah, that's, and maybe we're butchering up the rules here a little bit, but that's the gist of it. Yeah. So media is correct. It is a new stake. That is why Hewlett Packard. And originally, I thought I'm like, why so, is rallying so much? So, it's so an added stake, but it's, it's a new, new stake. It's an it's it's new to us. Yes. But it's, it's new not, to the market. It's not new as of this week. It is no. new as of this quarter. Yes. But it is not new as of this. I'm sorry. Uh, no, last quarter because we're in Q2 now. It's new as of this year, right? But it is not new as of this week, uh, yeah. as of last night's filing. So yeah. that's why there's confusion here. Uh, yeah. No, not not 10% of the portfolio, GL, 10% of the company, right? So when as soon as you cross that 10% ownership stake threshold, like you own – 10% of Tesla or 10% of whatever. Yeah. Then then you have to you have to file an SEC form and let the market know you own more than 10% of this company. So what probably happened here is over the course of January, February, March, or whatever, he slowly he was, was accumulating it. Accumulating, accumulating, and maybe he got to like 9.8%, yeah. whatever. 9.999. Whatever. And then this week he bought a little bit more. And those 11 million uh, shares that he just bought a couple of days ago pushed him um, over the 10. Put him over the 10% threshold, yeah. and that triggers the filing. And now here we are. So and that triggers the public information. That triggers triggers the algos running wild last night at 7:33 when this uh, filing hit. And again, right. you know, obviously, if you're on it, you can make some money off of these filings. I just so happened to be shorted ahead of the filing. Fantastic. Um, you know, when you're short of stock and you see Buffett, I'm like, oh my God, Buffett, I covered at 35 and a half and then it was going 36, 37. I still had a little bit of short and I finally just covered the last bit of the short here actually this morning. But so, you know, unfortunately I just happened to be on the wrong side of it going into it. I was quick. I mean, I didn't lose a lot of money. So I saved myself a pile of money from reading off the pro and seeing the Buffett name. Um, but I should have, you know, reversed it, but I actually took, I think everything that was at 35 and a half to just try to cover part of my short. So if you could look at the ticker, um, and maybe there was somebody else that covered there before, but I got whatever was left at 35 and a half once I saw the Buffett, um, thing. And then, and then it's off to the races. It was 36, 37, 38, like, like in two minutes. So you gotta be quick. It sucks when you're short something, uh, obviously and Buffett comes involved in it, but um, I'm full. I'm out of it now, so I can fully freely talk about it. But you got to be quick. You got to get out of those things quick. I wish I could have got long. I was just trying to get my short cover. <laughs> I mean, I'm like trying to stop losing money here. I'm like, this is gonna go up. But then I'm reading, and you know, that's where I was looking last night. I was like, well, this isn't even a new position. This is just adding to his additional position because it was only 11 million shares. And he owns 121. 
but then the devil's in the details because he hadn't had to file. Obviously, they've been filing it over the course of the last 45 days. So, so that's uh, the Buffett uh, wow. fun here. Joel, you, you're, we're going to throw the technicals to you, our technical analyst here. Yes, yes. I just went uh, red as well. Wow, yeah, I know, I know. Can't we hold just, a game. No, that's not good. No. Uh, well, I guess Warren does not subscribe to Morgan Stanley Research. Uh, because you got a Morgan Stanley downgrade uh, last week and just wrecked the stock. I mean, absolutely wrecked it. And now you're already back there. You just made a new all-time high in the pre-market trading. Forty eighty-five. You've leaked a buck seventy off that. Uh, regardless if it's a new stake or old stake or whatever, this is such a thick stock. Man, if you get back up to forty eighty-five today, oh boy, oh boy, that's gonna be tempting. I mean, you're filling the gap here, uh, right at thirty-nine. I don't know. We'll see if it even opens above 39. I I think that uh, a big pop here and yeah, I mean, it's a big stake. It's Warren Buffett, but it's just, just to me, it's, you're going to have to chew through a lot of stock in the book to open this thing at 39 and a half and 40. So am I shorting it? No. If I was longer for a swing trade or had some weekly options in the money, uh, I'd be ringing the register. Incredible move, big moves. You know what I do when you see, you know, a big move like this. If you were long it and not short the thing, <laughs> I'd be ringing the register too. It's such a, such a, such a big move. I mean, it, he, they rallied it to an all-time high this morning. But again, Buffett has been somewhat quiet, so you got to give a perspective. And this is what he chose. Yeah. So we know. Think about how much they've been just rallying Burke dot B. I mean, they've been rallying Burke dot B. It feels like for an eternity here off of um you know just being you know Warren Buffett so when Warren Buffett puts his vote of confidence into a company it's going to rally the stock what about uh, I just want to bring up Dell here I mean this is, I mean he didn't buy Dell um and that's been I mean if you're talking about buying the dip I guess I, I'm a Dell kind of guy but uh he's not buying Dell cheap and stock, man yeah that's that. a cheap what's the P on Dell Spencer Cheap. Uh, cheap. It's Dell. Doesn't it's cheap. Uh PE on Dell. Forward PE is seven. Uh oh. price to sales. I haven't seen a price to sales below one in a while. Wow. The stock right. has been just dirt cheap for a long time. I I don't know. I they they just, it's a cash cow. They make a lot of money. It sits there, but it doesn't have the sexy name. It doesn't have the growth, and that's maybe why it just doesn't get even close to a market multiple here. Um, you know what? On a pullback, I could get talked into Dell. I, I like the value stuff. This thing's just been getting hammered. Maybe people aren't going to buy new PCs because they're all broke. Maybe that is a concern here, which is something to think about in a whole HPQ scenario too. I don't know. I, I, I it's a it's a very very difficult market to like build a fundamental thesis and yeah. then execute on it and then watch the stock just not do anything what you thought it was going to do. It's like fundamental research right now just isn't working whatsoever. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of buying anything that's a discretionary purchase. And I would say a new computer is. Is one, yeah. yeah so unless that's you're, you're... where, you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if the timing's there, but I think if you were buying down and sticking your long-term portfolio, I think there's value there. Maybe maybe the thinking is, uh, you know, the reopening trade. You know, everyone's going to get back to the office, right? And need, need some new PCs and new printers and everything. So maybe that, that was actually the opposite of what the Morgan Stanley uh, downgrade said. But um, that's it, man. That's uh, I guess we can uh, move on from that. We'll, and, we'll keep and there, an eye on it. There are some questions in the chat about, you know, uh, if the 10% thing, uh, like how, how does that apply to Elon and Twitter? There's a difference between uh, an individual and an institution, right? Uh, Warren Buffett is is an institution. Berkshire Hathaway is is the firm. Elon Musk is is not man. He's not running outside of money. He's he's, he's managing him, him himself. So the the rule for uh, Elon Musk first filed it was a 13 G. I'm I'm going to mix them up, but a 13 G is the passive stake and the D is the active. I think he filed, Musk filed the wrong filing. Um, I don't. He totally did. He said he did. Yeah. Well, he said, and he said the share count was wrong too, which is also weird. Because then, then the, the second filing showed uh fewer shares, and people yeah. are like, "Wait a minute, did you just sell your Twitter?" And he was like, "No, nah, 
the share count was wrong. So somebody somewhere. <laughs> but, um, not all. Wow, what an efficient not, market. I love a, this efficient he's market. He's very, idea. very uh, – he's not great at doing SEC filings. And like CNBC joked last night, yeah, they'll, they'll fire – They'll find the richest man in the world a hundred grand for not filing correctly. He's yeah. not going to lose any sleep over that. No, just bizarre. Um, <laughs> that's ridiculousness anyway. of this market. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so HPQ is your big mover of the day. Yeah. Uh, but not the only mover of the day. Uh, I want to go and talk about uh, Rite Aid here. Uh, it's getting absolutely smacked. On a downgrade, I believe it was Deutsche Bank. Let me confirm that. Um, they gave they lowered their price target from sixteen to one, one dollar. What influence analysts have right now when they're putting sells on? When they're putting buys on, you can tell you're in a bear market. When when I'm, I'm and I trade the ratings, I tell you the initiations and the buys and the upgrades, they're getting Nothing. a little bit of love. Crazy. But when somebody says sell. When somebody says moves to underweight, it is hammered, hammered. We're down 18% because an analyst has an opinion. I have the same opinion, so I'm not going to argue with the Rite Aid. I've said Rite Aid is a zero for probably five years on this show, and the stock just continues to hang on. You know, in my opinion, I think Rite Aid is going to be a zero. That stock went 2020 from $8 to $32. So I've been wrong about this for a long, long time. I still think it ends at zero, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody buys it. You know, I just don't get like why you need CVS, WBA, and Rite Aid. And Rite Aid's the worst of them. I don't think you need three identical, and they're pretty. They seem identical to me. And Rite Aid has struggled for a long time. Didn't Rite Aid already go bankrupt, Spencer? Am I wrong? Or they were close to it? Oh, I feel uh-oh. like back in this re- this went through 2014 and went through a reorg because I the stock I traded it back. Joel, we traded this years ago. And I only have information to 2014. Did they already reorg this puppy? Maybe we no, were right about wasn't the Wasn't there? There was something with uh, I think someone. Came, did... I don't know. They came dangerously close. I think. I don't know if they. Well, they reorged or so they did something 2014. Because I tell you, Rite Aid has was a stock well before 2014, and I only have data back to 2014. So I'm wondering if this already went bankrupt once. The real reorged. estate, Dennis. The real estate. Oh yeah, the right. Real estate. The real estate. Do they own their stores? Probably not. Uh, didn't someone? Didn't was it Walgreens that went? Something was going after them in a real complicated deal, and they pulled out. I don't know if anybody's no. gone after. Yeah, Rite Aid. Right, Rite Aid sold a bunch of stores. Yeah, it was to Walgreens. I think it was Walgreens. So they sold like a couple thousand of their stores. That was like three or four years ago. Um, yeah, they sold what number? It was two thousand stores. To Walgreens in 2018. Okay. Um, I remember there was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I don't know. Anyway, but it's not it's not very often you see a we were talking yesterday about, you know, how analysts skew bullish. It's not very often you see a price target at a dollar from an from a That's pretty time. bearish, yep. Then that's gonna grab a few headlines and that's gonna make a few people nervous, and that's why the stock is trading on nineteen percent. Six yeah, I mean short it? I mean Ugh. What's no, left? No, let me, yeah, six six. I'll just give you a, a potential support point, and that's a six sixty. That's your pre market low. I don't think I can find anything. What was the COVID low? It's probably below the uh, COVID low. Oh, it's three bucks below that. So that's the only number I have for you, folks. Six sixty. Looks like there was a little interest. Came down there once. Came there twice, getting down a little bit of a bounce. It's a dip I'm not buying. Stock's yeah, making exactly. new all-time lows. It's not yep, quite an all-time low, but new 52-week lows, you got to go. No reason to be a hero on Rite Aid and say this analyst is wrong. Yeah, I, I just thought that was very interesting. There um, was a few interesting ratings last night, though. Like, um, I don't know if you want to stick with the ratings parade. We don't give the ratings a lot of love because when you're in a headline-driven macro market, they don't matter as much, but... The analysts are starting to come out of their slumber because of all tildies come down. They're all spooked and they don't want they all hold the notes when the market's going crazy. But now that the market's calmed down a bit, they're like, okay, we got some opinions on some stocks. Let's get those opinions out there. Uh okay, wait. I had a few ratings here. But let me go back to There's a lot day. of them today. Uh, a lot of ratings. Uh, let's see. I saw Ford got a downgrade. Ooh, Fords? I, I, I saw I saw Roblox and Unity get uh Added to new uh, new buys at Citigroup. Um, 
an initiation. So if you're a ratings trader and you want to learn, you know, like what is it worth? And Alfred asked me, you know, what for a downgrade, what's that worth? Initiations are worth a hell of a lot less than an upgrade or a downgrade. I don't know why that is, but the street is always somewhat ignored. Not ignored, but they don't give a lot of weight to initiations. So you're wondering why, you know, if Unity's initiate with a buy, why is it not ripping higher? If they were at neutral and they upgraded to buy, it probably would be ripping higher. So it's just the way Wall Street trades them. And obviously, you know, Ford Ford gets a downgrade here. You know, what is that worth? When when they're when right now, I will tell you the downgrades are worth more than the upgrades because we are in this bear in the market. Environment, and, yep. and 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 it, and it's analysts are like they don't downgrade stocks nearly as much as they upgrade stuff. They don't initiate at sell. That sell word, word, like that's why in the case of Rite Aid, really means a lot because there's not a lot of analysts that come out and put a sell on something. So when it happens, it gets media attention, it gets traders' attention. Everybody focuses to that one first. And, you know, that's even why we did the, when we just did the show, we probably went to that one first because it's a big call to big note. It's going to get some attention. I mean, on any given night, there's probably 50 to 100 analyst notes in normal markets. And there's only three or four that are really going to catch on, you know, to media where they're talked about, you know, for, throughout CNBC throughout the day. So Ford will be one that they'll talk about just because it's such a widely owned stock. I own Ford. It's breaking down to new lows here right now. I've had this for a long time. You know, I bought it back at $7. I sold half of it at 19 I wish I would have sold it all. Hindsight Capital is 2020. You guys all out of y'all your Ford? You guys all sold yeah. that. Back. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Wrong time. I, I don't know what to say. I've had it for so long. You know, obviously, you know, I more than doubled my money, so I'm completely playing with the house's money. I did have it in a long-term account. I kind of want to ride through some of this. I mean, I don't want to just liquidate everything because I think the stock's going down another buck. I mean, you know, and then I have the huge capital gains I got to pay on it too. So it's a tricky market to navigate as an investor, as a trader right now. That doesn't look good. And we were saying big ticket items don't look good. Would I add to Ford here? Not right now. I just don't feel like I want to sell my other half either, though. You know, there's probably, it's probably going to be so thick on the way down here, down 20, you know, down 26 cents. You know, you probably have some big bids at 15, you know, that are just sitting out there, 1501, you know, something like that. So that's really the only number I can give you, uh, potential. And then, uh, you know, yesterday's close uh, is going to be good resistance now, I think. Uh, down 26 cents at 1539. So it's hard to get optimistic, uh, bullish on this until you get back above 1539. And then the monthlies don't give you anything to 14, but uh, I don't think this is going to 14 on, uh, you know, in one day, but th- that's looking forward. GM, let's just look at GM and that thing's been under pressure. Neither look healthy. I own them 40. both on the long-term account and both of them look bad. Yeah. A lot of stuff looks bad right now. I mean, that's why we keep, it's starting to look, and maybe it's not the case. And ARC did bounce at right where we set it. I mean, yeah, I'll give myself it, props on this. I gave you the $62 level yesterday. I actually did play it off the 62 I made a buck, a buck 20 off of it, um, just day trading it. But I just kind of thought when it was coming in, I was like the 50% retracement might bounce at this. It bounced to the tick. I mean, to the was tick. It? Was it to the 5185. tick? 5185. I rounded it to 62, but do the math really close. 5185. To $72, basically. Take the 50% retracement of that, and you get almost to the tick. I think it's $61.95. It bounces $61.92. Bounce nice. right at the 50% retracement of the recent moves. We know we keep our technical analysis simple. Support, resistance, trends. So first page on my technical analysis book is support. <laughs> the next one's resistance. The next one is trend following. And the next one is the fifty percent retracement, the fifth, and that's pretty much <laughs> multiple, all I use. multiple close. And you, you love to see. We, we like the little double bar, but that's support. I would put that in support. You put that. You put that I'd in uh, like that a little, a little, um, little footnote, huh? Okay. Yeah, um, I put that in details on the. Support just, page. just one thing here. Also, when you're doing the, these fibs, you kind of like to see something else in that area. And you did have a sixty-two twenty-four low. Wow, that was on the 18th. So, you know, a little bit, you know, just sticking it out there. Uh, you know, it's always better if you got another level to uh, a daily level or a couple closes to lean on with uh, something like that. Uh, let's run through a couple more movies here. Then we'll bring Ivan Feinseth on the show in a few minutes. Let's talk about Le- Levi Strauss. They reported earnings last night. EPS 
came in above estimates. Sales came in above estimates. They were able to reaffirm their guidance for the year. Um, doesn't look like look like they took too much of a hit uh, it, from their decision to suspend uh, all business in Russia. They said Russia accounts for about two percent of their total sales. Um, I mean, two percent is is notable, um, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looked like it. By and large, it was an okay report. I mean, their ability to reaffirm guidance is good, especially with rising costs across the board and 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 the Russia Russia situation. Um, so I know the stock is down, or at least it was. I don't know what it's doing. No, right it's right. up twenty cents. Now it is. Levi Strauss is up twenty cents. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different stock this morning that was down. Uh, uh, you know what the problem is with uh, with Levi's? Wait, Joel, before you go any further, uh, can you fix the – I think the bottom left chart? I did. It, I, it's a 60-minute now. Okay, okay. Yep, okay. yep, thank you. Uh, the problem with Levi's is they last too long. Yeah. They do yeah, last like the pair long. I got right now, there's, well, there's a big rip in the pocket. But, uh, I mean, you can just wear those things for – you know, when, unless you get fat or you get skinny. But um, – Man, look at this 2040, 2050 area. If you're looking and not good, it got up there, a high tick, you know, on the headline number, it got up to 2045, and then it kind of weak, and now it's faded. So I don't even know if you're going to get back up to 20 today. So uh, actually, you're even below yesterday, you're right at yesterday's high. So if you're bullish, you want to see it hold the high, the close right here, and make a run into the 20 handle. Uh, if not, you know, it kind of trickle lower, but I love that. If you've been looking at that in the after hours or pre-market, that 20, that pop up to 2050, that, that was a gift there. Actually, 2051 was a after hours high. I, 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 bad. I was thinking of Conagra, uh, when I said Levi was down, I was thinking of Conagra cause they, they were down on their report this morning. Uh, earnings were in line, but guidance below estimates for Conagra <laughs> brands this morning. Triple D is going to say, you know, people might be buying the dip in this one. And they already did. The stock was in a, uh, a strong uptrend, right, from uh, the $30 oh, area. And then it came back. It got under thirty two fifty. Now it's bouncing. So I don't know. I'll give you resistance on this one. The bottom of yesterday's range, thirty four oh seven. That's not too far away. Input costs here. Do they talk about that? I don't know if we went into the note, but I would assume that you probably have some input costs here issues. Can I grab? What do they yeah, make? But I, what, I would, what kind of brands do they make? But they I make would like, assume. I would assume with like any food company that they could just pass along whatever. It's, it's hard though. You can pass some of it along, but you've got right, grocery I, stores like Walmart, and you know, think about who you're selling to. I suppose. Uh, Can and, and, and let's just look. I'm looking at the brands now. I'm just jumping in there. Yeah, but you they, think they, about, have like, they have like Hunt's ketchup, like Bird's Eye yeah. frozen frozen veggies, which I buy like a lot of that. Um, um, Slim Jim. Uh, just a lot of grocery store brands, right? Pam. Exactly. But Pam. you've got power. Everybody, you... everybody uses Pam, right? It, it's stuff that you use, but yeah. I just wonder if they don't get squeezed a little bit there. And I didn't read, but I, I would assume before, so not knowing anything, I wouldn't want to own something like this in the report because I'd be worried that they're getting squeezed a little bit in, on the margin. Because one, you got Walmart, Target, Costco, you know, Kroger that are powerful. And you throw them a huge hike increase, they throw it back at you. So uh, to a certain extent, I mean, everybody wants Pam, but to a certain extent, maybe on some of their weaker brands, they're like, no, nah, if you're going to jack it that much, we just won't carry that product. They're going to carry Pam. They're going to oh. carry ketchup. Yeah. But there's a lot of little things like bird's eye. You no, know, like, bird's eye is frozen veggies. I buy those like, all the But time. I mean, there's a billion different types of frozen veggies. Maybe. Can you right. pass those along as easy? I'm just thinking, maybe. you know, like it, I, I, I think it, if I'm Walmart, you can be a little tougher there. So you can probably not be tough on Pam. They've got to carry Pam. Vlasic's in every store. Overall, Redenbacher is in every store. There's certain things that they're going to just eat, but there's certain things that they could probably like, nah, you know, you, you can't jack that that much. So don't forget, like Walmart is so powerful. And obviously a lot of these brands are carried there. So just think about, you know, when you're, you know, producing and making these brands and making these foods and you're selling them to a person who is not a very good price taker, like a company as powerful as Walmart, doesn't have to take I, as much. I suppose. Um, it's something to think about. So Hunt's, I would think logically that they get squeezed a little bit. And in the inflationary environment that we're in, I'm not sure if that's what they talked about in the report. I wasn't on the top of my to-do list to go read the Conagra report. But that's one thing to think about when you're buying these kind of companies. I, The, the, the Hunt's catch-up is just a little bit too 
tomatoey. The Heinz ketchup is so much better. It is. Oh, yeah, it is. so I mean that's that's why I wouldn't. Uh, I but wouldn't... I was born in Le- Leamington, and where the Heinz factory was, so <laughs> there was like one. There was two Heinz factories originally where production was Leamington, Ontario, and right. it was in Pittsburgh, I believe. It was in Pennsylvania. So I mean, I like I'm like grew up on Heinz ketchup. You know, if you didn't eat Heinz ketchup, you were in Leamington. You were an outcast. So <laughs> you support like it was a town of like fifteen thousand people, and two thousand people worked at Heinz. So you had to support wow. it. So we're Heinz fans. All right, we've been ignoring Walmart a little bit here, and uh, the stock made a new all-time high yesterday. Unbelievable! Yeah, strong, very strong. Uh, question: You know, last time it got up in this area, it didn't hold. But this is a little bit different market. Uh, it's that the Instacart uh, IPO. Yeah, the valuation that's keeps. Not, that's not going to happen, Joel. <laughs> you don't think so? No, they've already. I think I think they've already um, uh, lowered their own value valuation. Instacart. What am I? Or, what am I thinking? Or, wait, 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 wait. Instacart. I think approached. Not- uh, I saw a thing. Instacart approached somebody to buy them. Um, or what, or there, yeah, Instacart approached, I saw this the other day. Um, I think, I think, uh, who was it? Uh, by by the way, jobless claims, uh, came in well below estimates, um, which is, which is interesting here. Um, I saw a thing about Instacart trying to approaching someone to buy them. Uh, maybe, I don't remember. It was a couple days. Okay, strike that from the record. Uh, Hewlett Packard under, <laughs> under, under 30. Yeah, delete that one, Mitch. Uh, Hewlett Packard now under 39 here. So, uh, still up, uh, $4.05. Leaking but a bit. Le- leaking Algo's a got bit. a little excited at 41 this morning. Yeah. I'm trying to find the thing. Whatever. Moving on. Uh, record sales during the pandemic, obviously, but uh, that's the that tailwind is is gone. Uh, I mean, Walmart just makes sense. One, the stock isn't cheap, but it's not super expensive, and this stock works in a recession very well. This is where everybody stops shopping at a little higher end and they go to a little lower end. You wear your, um, I don't know what the brand. What's the brand of clothing at Walmart that they? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out. Is uh, it George or what is it? I don't, I, I don't go to Walmart. Okay, okay, let's go. Well, back you might start here. if we start going to recession. No, 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 let's go back here. <laughs> whoa, whoa. No, no, no. I want to. Whoa. I actually want to go back go here. Walmart. Who's kidding? Who? Half my wardrobe is probably from Walmart. Whoa. <laughs> Flipkart <laughs> is what I'm thinking Flipkart. of, guys. Yes. A... Walmart's Indian e commerce arm Flipkart boosts IPO valuation. Okay. All right. All right. So don't, you know, just yeah. before you go Poo-poo jumping Joel's on me thesis. here. All right. All right. Stanker. And and they own a big chunk of it. And now I said Instacart and I know that, but it's Flipkart. Okay. So there you go. You stand corrected. Okay. Um all right. Thank let's you. let's bring on today's guest. Uh Ivan Thank you, Fe- Zippity Doo Ivan Feinseth is the chief investment officer at Tigris Financial Partners. Joins us every so often on the show to give us his take on things. Let's bring him on the show right now. Mr. Feinseth, good morning, sir. How are you? We are. We're, we're doing well. We're doing well. Um, we didn't even really talk overall market at all. We didn't really talk. We didn't, we have yet to mention. Well, the, as far as retailers, Costco's my favorite. And that stock also just made a new all-time high yesterday after reporting uh, before reporting strong same store mark sales uh, after the close yesterday, so I think Costco has it going on in so many ways. 
both of these, Walmart and Costco, both work in all markets, really. I mean, I was to start making the argument before I came on, Ivan, I was saying, Walmart, you know, people shop there, but are you going to a recession? People are still going to shop at Walmart. So I think you're seeing a little bit of the safety trade that, okay, well, what works if we do not have a soft landing? Costco and Walmart probably still work. What about Target? Do you you don't you don't cover Target, do you? Yes, I do. What what are you what why is Target? So here's a question for you. It's obviously been the laggard of the group. And it's got a lower multiple in the group too. Why is Target not get the love that Walmart and Costco do? I am surprised because I think Target, I think my my criteria for a retailer is unique shopping experience, unique merchandise, connecting well with their customers, and Target does all three well. They got a good value proposition. They got the uh, kind of um, cheap, chic cachet, as they call it. The uh, the Costco credit, I'm sorry, the Target credit and uh, rewards card is, um, I think, promotes the company very well. Offers uh, you know five percent discount for shopping there if you have your um, if you have the card, and also you uh, accumulate the rewards. So, I think they do everything right. I uh, I think that is the the sleeper right now. That's the buy here because Target also has it going on, and they continue to do well in in all kinds of markets. Uh, they offer a good value proposition. So in let's say weaker economic times, it's good. And um, they got uh, a lot of great of their own brands. And this Cat and Jack is became a billion dollar brand in a short period of time. They got them. Um, their own food brands that leans, you know, a little healthier. So um, they got a good shopping experience. Ivan, you must have the same decorator as our producer, Ender. Yes, I do. He has the exact same piano. I was wondering. The exact same couch I was and the fireplace. I wish I could play that piano. I think there's nothing more beautiful than a play, than a baby grand piano in a living room. And there's nothing better than if you could play it. <laughs> I want my living room to look like that. Yeah. that house. I'm going to send this picture to the builder and say, can you do this? But I only have, you know, a, <laughs> a $50,000 budget for it. <laughs> all right, Ivan, I want to, uh, a couple things here. Uh, first of all, uh, we were talking about uh, analyst ratings and, uh, you know, what in depending on the market environment, you know, initiations to buy and, you know, or upgrades or whatever. But rarely do you hear the S word, uh, the sell word. And in this kind of this nervous market environment, uh, I, I know everyone has their own different verbiage. Uh, do you go to sell or do you initiate anything in a sell? Or how do you politely tell people that uh, it hit your hit your target in your accident? Well, you can cut it to a neutral or a hold. I think okay. that's, um, but endless ratings are, are not, they're absolute within the sector that they cover and not really trying to market time in general. So they're not saying put a buy on the stock, absolute that you got to buy it here. Um, the, for the most part, analysts on Wall Street cover stocks in specific industries and their ratings are really based on owning within the sector. That's why you see as, you know, as many times as they have buy, sell, or hold as they have overweight, underweight, because they're saying what you want to favor or not favor within a sector. That's but of course, right. individual investors want to know when should I buy? When should I sell? And also you have companies uh, just talking earlier on our internal call today uh, about NVIDIA. I mean, this is a must own stock. And it had to run up to um, the mid threes. It pulled back to the mid twos. It just was 280 recently. Now it's 244. I mean, you can't really trade. This is one of these stocks you got to own because NVIDIA is just on the forefront of every type of incredible technology and all, all about artificial intelligence and applications in data centers and autonomous vehicle technology and uh, while well, the CEO Jensen Huang calls it the Omniverse, and he was calling, talking about the Omniverse months before Mark Zuckerberg talked about the Metaverse, but this is a, a chip, a company that makes the chips that will empower all types of technology that will make up the Metaverse, this digital twin concept. 
So, Ivan, how are you feeling about the market here, just the, the broad um, market? Well, the market is certainly, in my view, extremely resilient in light of just a tremendous amount of headwinds. We got right now this war with Russia and Ukraine, which, uh, um, in my view, the only possible hope to resolve this is with China, because we can't directly push back against Russia. And Putin has threatened nuclear war against anybody who interferes. I don't really understand what his end game is to, to get, in theory, these two regions in Ukraine. Um, while we have continued to ramp up sanctions, both the U.S. and the U.K., uh, sanctions unfortunately hurt the people you're trying to help more than they hurt the people you're trying to uh, hurt, like Putin. But um, this is a scary situation if you really drill down into it with no possible other than a diplomatic resolution that, you know, Putin folds and he's very headstrong. And right now our only hope is that China could put economic pressure on Putin and Russia. And now we're counting on Xi Jinping to in theory be the peacekeeper. And I believe they have their own agenda in this whole thing. In fact, I think that China egged Putin on to do this, to kind of take the see the sense of what the global reaction would be to their military aggression, because China still has eyes on Taiwan. I mean, it's so difficult to predict what the next, you know, headline is coming out of there. And we see stocks get whipsawed on every headline breaking from Ukraine here. Do you just like, put the blinders on when you're looking at this and say this this too will pass and you know in yes. you know two years we're not looking so let's just buy those companies that we feel are going to be there is that how you approach it Ivan yes I mean if this this situation with Russia certainly well you could say that there was build up and intention for a long time but a lot you know and it kept increasing but um it's also sad, if you will, that after the, what the world has gone through with the pandemic, that yeah. we're, we're dealing with this. However, there are a lot of great companies that continue to create great things. And if you really think about it, the one, you know, what does Tim Cook do every morning when he wakes up? He thinks about how to sell more iPhones. And Mary Barrett is thinking about how to get more electric vehicles out and to produce more electric vehicles. And Jensen Wong of Mary Barrett, CEO of GM, and Jensen Wong of NVIDIA is creating the next great chip. And these are the things you need to focus on. Uh, Ivan Fine-Seth, uh, Ivan, uh, before I let you go here, any anything on your radar as far as uh, earning season is concerned? We're going to start start up next week and the week after. Any any names in particular that you're watching that your, your channel checks or your research, whatever it tells you, we could be in for a a particularly good or bad quarter um i don't specifically try to play the earnings trends because you know companies they report they beat the expectations they i've seen companies beat and go down miss and go up so i i think expectations going into this earnings season are low so i think uh any positive surprise will be you know greeted with um you know, positive reaction where we have seen in the past few quarters companies reporting great results and the stocks are selling off. Uh, estimates for Q1 have come down. On the, for example, the aggregate S&P estimate uh, for Q1 has dropped about a dollar from 52 and change to 51 dollars and change, but the full year has increased by uh, a couple dollars from about uh, 226 to about 228. So. Uh, expectations are low for the first quarter, but still positive for the significantly positive for the whole year. Yep. And I also think that the markets wound up pretty tight to rally uh, on any potential good, you know, resolution, diplomatic resolution to the situation with Russia and Ukraine. And then uh, we still have, uh, a, a, in theory, an increasingly more aggressive Fed than we have had in many years. Yeah. With now a lot of calls for um, the Fed front-loading the action. And now in, in the, the notes out yesterday said there's an increased sense of urgency at the Fed to head off inflation, which it's also trying to do as the economy, because of the, 
the pandemic, the ongoing breaks in the supply chain, this recent the sanctions against Russia, the uh, there's a potential you know e economic um, the, the economy could be in jeopardy just due to that. So the, does the Fed get aggressive when there's these other external risks to the economy as well? So I think Fed Chair Powell's probably one of the best Fed governors ever, but he's got a difficult job right now. Uh, Ivan Feinseth is the Chief Investment Officer at Tigris Financial Partners. Ivan, a pleasure as always. Have a great rest of your Thank day, you. great rest of your week. Always uh, great being on with you guys. Have a great day. Thanks, thanks too. Uh, hey, uh, so I, I mentioned it briefly before Ivan came on, but we had the jobless claims ca uh, came in well below estimates at 160, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, 166,000 jobless claims filed last week. Do you want to guess the last time the number was that low? I'll tell. I'll just tell you. It was November of, no, of 19... Wait, I'm sorry. No, not, no, it was not November. It was September. September, I believe, of 1969, I think. Yeah, if there was ever a time you can raise interest rates. 166? <laughs> hold on, 166? Yeah, I mean, what, wait, wait a second. Are we going to an interview? Sorry, it was, it, was, it, was no, it was November of 68. November of 1968 was the last time uh, there were fewer jobless claims filed than there were last week people are yeah but again you're it's the lower end too where people are seeing what they have to pay for stuff and they're like screw this you know fifth 14 an hour or 12 an hour what's been on wage in like florida it's really low isn't it under 10 bucks uh well it might be minimal wage i i don't know if it's as relevant because everybody had to go keep going higher than that so yeah, like to get employed. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we even know like some, you know, some of the restaurants they were going up to eighteen, twenty dollars an hour. Some of the quick service restaurants just to get employees. They were going to twenty five. I mean, yeah. Last summer was an amazing summer to be a high school kid working a job. You, yeah. When when we, when I first started, <laughs> my first job I think was six. No, it was four dollars and fifty cents an hour was my first job. That was corn detasseling. <laughs> but I think in my first regular, I think it was six and a quarter. Six dollars and twenty. What was your first job, Dennis? Corn detasseling. Like you never did corn detasseling, Joel? You go into the fields and you pull the tassels out. Yeah. Did you do it, Spencer? No, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, corn um, detasseling. I work in those fields, man. Yeah. Corn I know what work's all about. Joel never. I mean, I'm from I'm from Monroe, but I mean, and there was a lot of cornfields around, but I was never out there working. You got to get out corn. there and you pull those tassels. Oh, four dollars and fifty cents an hour. Okay. Wow. Look at H HPQ now uh, in the lower 38 handle. Forget about that 39 opening. Uh, only up 343 now. Forget about the 41, the 40, the 39. Now in the 38s. I sense a pattern. But I mean, it's worth something. It's a new position. It's worth something. Was it worth 41? That was silly. 40 was silly town. 39 felt like 30 town. 38s felt a little bit more normal. But I mean, again, as they, they turn the whole thing around, all of a sudden, Everybody's going to start buying more computers because Warren Buffett bought the stock? Well, also, and I'll just, just go back to this driven. chart. I mean, what if you were long it, you know, oh, we're breaking out over 40, right? And I'm buying this thing at 40. Oh, closes at 39. Oh, it's a 37. Oh, it's a 35. Back at 39, boom, scratch, boom, there you go. Now we're at uh, thirty-eight fifty. Uh, S&P is just dancing around unchanged here. Yeah. Just, uh, um, but uh, boy, so man, unemployed. Boy, those are those jobless claims, huh? One hundred and six. holding the gains oh. this morning. At one point in time, we were up twenty handles this morning. So that was like a nanosecond. That was like you could sell it though. It was up there. It was. And, and how do you like the? How did you like the move? Bring up the spy chart from oh. yesterday. I, off yeah, the we, Fed yeah, we, we didn't even talk about this yet. Uh, <laughs> talk about Whipsaw Central. If you got the stops, you got stopped out on everything. They, it makes you. a new high on the day. It makes a new low on the day. It makes a new high on the day. It comes back down. You're using stops. You're getting stopped out. Stops are tough in this market, man. I know everybody likes to control their risk, and we always obviously talk about controlling your risk. You got to widen the stops in this market because otherwise you get stopped out on everything. Because really what a stop is, again, a stop is selling the dip and buying the rip. 
So that's the difficult part about using stops is it's actually opposite to the core strategies that I employ every day. So, I mean, when you're in a choppy whipsaw market and you're trying to control risk with stops, you're getting stopped out on 90% of your trades. And you know what the most interesting, and uh, Spencer, you know, brought this up yesterday. Uh, the close, well, first of all, like the reason for the decline is not the Fed minutes, it's from Brainerd from the day before. I mean, she basically telegraphed what the minutes were. And that knocked out, you know, that knocked the, the spoos down on Friday, or excuse me, knocked it down on Tuesday. Then you had follow through in the after hour, or pre market after hours on Wednesday. But uh, the two o'clock close in the S&Ps before the minutes came out was 71.75. All right. We're, we're three, you know, two, three handles away from that right now, two handles away. So the damage was done by Brainerd. I mean, the information, we went up, we went down. We're, the market is still trying to decide at this point. And right now, we're hanging in there, but uh, that low from yesterday, I don't know if the, the spiders, the spiders that didn't confirm as well as the S&Ps because uh, of the uh, the overnight trading, but uh, the spoos had like two lows right in that area, 45, 44.75 and 45.75, and you went to 44 and a half. So that's the trap door on the downside. Uh, we're still 30 handles away from that now, but that that's where you really have to get concerned about going back down to that 4,100 area is if you take that out. And as I said, right now we're 30 handles away uh, for me to get positive again uh, for the week or, you know, for the quarter, uh, we got to get back above 4,500 and just say, Hey, you know, yeah, there was by the dip. Yep. After this big run up here, this was the only dip. That was the buy the dip. A uh, little skeptical at this point. Um, so wait, since we're sharing, uh, first, I did not... buy a couple stocks while you're talking about buying the dip. I put two stocks in the long term portfolio yesterday, so I did a little shopping. You know, I was 50% cash, I bought AMD and something I can't like. I bought three stocks, I brought myself down to 45% cash. Yesterday, I brought myself down to 41% cash, and I put Micron and I put JP Morgan, and this is in the long term portfolio, so I'm gonna put them in there. I wanted to own JP Morgan at 30, but Joel talked me out of it. So now I bought it at 130. <laughs> a decade later. <laughs> I'll probably regret it, but well, I've always been a Jamie term, Diamond fan. Long-term portfolio. Well, it, no, for real, though. Like you're trying to put these things. I know. I go, and then I look at my long-term portfolio, and I start losing on them, and I like to cut the losers. But, when do or, they you have know, earnings? I start winning on them, and I like to cut the winners, uh, too. But. I think JPM is Wednesday, Joel. Wednesday? I, I they. I don't want to say they always beat and rally, but they always beat and rally. I don't know what happens after that, but I don't know. I, that That's probably not a bad here purchase. Comes, uh, here comes uh, the sell-off. Wednesday morning. <laughs> Yeah, what's going on? What's going on here? Uh, Eight fifty-five, man. We are leaking. Yeah, something's going yeah, on here. Yeah. I'm looking. You got some news? Leaky Wednesday. Well, what I was going to say before that was on the topic of uh, first jobs. I made five and a quarter an hour as a lifeguard, which was below minimum wage. I'm, I will add, uh, but that's you're really- a lifeguard. Yeah, it's a local town water park. The wow. local water That's hall. Spencer Israel can do everything. Uh, a little bit of everything here. Uh, okay, and then I just wanted to mention real quick a couple of other stocks. Uh, SoFi predictably lowered guidance today. Uh, this Why is was that predictable? Because the uh, White House extended the student loan moratorium. So, um, no, it's going to extend probably through the end of the year. Now, well, this would have been good information yesterday. Did you know that yesterday? Yeah, that was pretty widespread uh, yeah, news. Yeah, yes, it was out there yesterday, Dennis. <laughs> well, I'm just saying the market obviously didn't know. You should be a trader then, Spencer. So you're right. I, I mean, it, it, it seems obvious to me, right? Every company that issues student loans that and there's a loan moratorium that gets extended, they're not going to get those payments back, right? I mean, one plus one equals fish. So, uh, yeah. And anyway, so so far lower their guidance to account for the the, the moratorium extension. Um, and that's why the stock is down today. But good old Sally Mae, Dennis. You ever trade that? Not in a long time. No. And what what what's uh what's Fannie Mae now? 
Uh, F, there's a bunch of tickers. Like 25 the, letters in it. The, no, but the, the most liquid one is FNMA. Uh, FNMA. And then and then FMCC is Freddie Mac. Yeah, man, I did it. Man, I remember when we were trading those things at Bright. I, f- I just fought that thing in the 80s, always trying to short this thing, and just never worked out. And now it's at 80 cents. Wasn't Ackman big on this? Like, was it just supposed to be like, uh, mm, you know, the whole pro- whole private? Yeah, right here. Yeah, look at that. Financial crisis, it was 70. But I bet you it was even higher than Yep. I remember tussling with this thing. Look at that. Holy mackerel. Yikes. Yep. Not uh, a bullish did, chart. Do we get any news Not on a this? bullish looking chart. No. Do we got any news or anything? No, or just, just, uh, I honestly don't see anything. Like a t- continued there. leak since seven ten when they thought that there was going to be uh, you know, some positive talks. And no, no, yeah. no, no, that's not the case. Po- I, po- Here we go again. I haven't heard anything about about coming on new, anything new. How quickly that. though everything turns? I mean, you know, we come in Monday and multiple people reaching out saying, "Well, we've missed the bottom. We got to chase." And you know, and I did it to a certain extent too. And then three days it takes, and the ARKK falls basically from seventy dollars down to sixty-three. Fifty percent retracement of the move in two days. It's tough market, man. I mean, you jump in here and you're like, "Okay, it's safe now. I'm going to buy some Square. I'm going to buy some things." And they this candle just totally just takes you out and reverses everything. I mean, you put in the little double top of 145, and now you look at the thing at 128 a day later, Joel. One day. Like, these stocks fall on 8 10% in a day on no news. I mean, this growth investing, it's tough, tough game. Which one are you talking about? Square, Arc, they're oh. all the same. They all just yeah. move together. The algos trade them all together. They all move 5 6 7%, it seems like, a day in either direction. Market just cannot figure out what anything is worth. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely just, you know, the volatility is pretty pretty incredible on some of those growth names. Uh, we got a couple minutes if you guys want to do some ticker time here. Uh, sh- yeah, you know, that's a, actually a pretty good idea, Juan. Let's look at Nike and let's look at Callaway uh, Golf because the Masters start today and Tiger's, Tiger's playing. Nike's been a fade since the earnings. I mean, you know, it had the earnings pop. It gave back that gap. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, if Spieth wins, well, well, Under Armour rally. I mean, these are these are tough things. But th- this Nike chart's not looking good to me. At least it's going to give back half of this move. Uh, Callaway, uh, boom, boom, boom. I mean, if you're investing on who's cl- what clubs someone's using to win the Masters, then good luck to you. Because uh, except when uh, Bubba Watson won the uh, Masters, what was that watch he was wearing? Fossil. Yeah, yeah. Fossil exploded yeah. the next yeah, day. That was yeah. sad, probably. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I'm in my first Masters pool ever. I've never done that before. I'll probably. Fun. Yeah, I don't know. makes I mean, it I, worth watching. Yeah, I, I know. It gives me a little, you know, get a little action. It's always you know? better watching sports when you got money on it. Yeah, yeah, my buddy, <laughs> my buddy, my buddy talked to it, and we got some derby prep races this weekend too. So, I'll just one. say, bring it back to the Nike. Yeah, one forty. The stock's behaving very well technically. So you have the huge one forty support. Maybe I've got to expand my technical analysis page to six pages when support becomes resistance. But I mean, that one forty was support in January, support in February. We breached it late February, came all the way back down. We come all the way back up. Where do we fail? 140. I mean, technical analysis, we poop okay. sometimes, but that is like just behaving very well. Okay. I'm just, I, 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 50%? there you go. Boom. Right there. This right is what there. you need. Yeah. This is what you need here for you, you, you Nike people. Uh, what, whatever the, my numbers are probably off just a tad, but uh, you need to hold in here. I like that tool. Couple days, You're yeah. Quick at those fifty percent retracements. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I look. I could put. I could put the six one eight in the point. I uh, screw the six. I know. I know. Fibonacci. Uh, six one eight's overrated. What did he know? What did Fibonacci know? 
I did nothing. Six one eight so overrated. Um, real fast, just a reminder: there is more Fed speak today. Bullard speaking now, actually. At 9 oh no! Oh, that's he's happened. not the dove. He's the hawk. We're in trouble now. Uh, We're going down to the dove. We're really uh, in trouble on the hawk. Bostic and Evan just speaking at two, and then Ugh. John Williams is speaking at four or five. But Bullard uh, is, is the one. So. Oh, yeah. He's going to come out and say, we're going 100. (laughs) We're going to 10%. We're going to take care of this. We're jacking these rates. This market's irrational exuberance. That's not what he (laughs) said. Oh, Dennis, people are too young to know what that is. He already said that. I was trading back in irrational exuberance days. I wasn't born yesterday. Guys, I'm going to let you finish up. I got to hop. Triple D, I'll check in with you later on. You know what they don't tell you? Irrational exuberance was four years early. Was it four years early? 1996. 1996? He said that. Yeah, and it went up for another like 10,000% after that. Yeah. The, the famous Alan Greenspan words, irrational exuberance. Let's, I'm irrationally exuberant to bring on Peter Tuckman here, the Einstein of Wall Street. He's he's uh, coming to us live from uh, his hallway? I'm not quite sure. There, he's back now. Peter! <laughs> what's, what's up, man? sir? I'm all, about, I'm all about irrational exuberance, man. All about it. Excellent, excellent. How, how are you feeling about the about uh yesterday? Uh, well, really about the last couple of days here. You know, uh, look, I, I mean, I think we're trading within the uh, inverse Kramer space here, right? He told us that it was the end of the bear market, so now we're starting to go down again. I think it's you know, as I often will say, the market can handle one thing at a time, and then when it gets hit by multiple things, it sort of starts to to engage one of them more than others. This information has been on the table for a while. The the actual pinpointed aggressiveness of what they're talking about, which is clearly a bearish uh, indicator, is uh, you know should be no surprise to people, but it, yet it is, and it's surprising the market a little bit. I think it's um, that's what the reaction is. Look, we've got the war, we've got the war, we've got oil, we've got the uh, taper. I mean, I guess that's kind of a little bit of news on the table is the aggressiveness of the taper, and um, you know, and that that's a big deal. Right. It's literally it's like, you know, you've got your foot on the pedal. We're going 95 miles an hour. And then suddenly you just pull it off. And is, you know, that in accordance with all the other sort of stumbles that we're having. um, That's definitely what happened yesterday in the last couple of days. Yeah. So are are you expecting just more of the same in terms of just choppiness? Right. Because we've basically been in this range now for. For, for quite some time, the expectations, uh, I mean, maybe maybe this isn't unanimous, but from a lot of people, it's still pretty bullish if you go out 12, 20, 12 months, 24 months. But in the near term, seems to be a pretty strong consensus that we're just due for due for a choppiness. Or maybe I'm just extrapolating my own opinion there. But is, is that is that where you're at as well? I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Look, we have not been able to really... Uh, uh, sink our teeth into where where we're going. Twelve months, twenty four months. Yeah, I, I I would not. I would. I don't have. The, clearly, I'm not uh, engaging any doomsday approach yeah. to this thing. The market, I think, is incredibly resilient. There's a big bit in the market. There are people moving money around. Right. I'm still still trying to figure out who's doing what to who here. Who's selling it? You know, we've got big swaths of sell side coming in. We see it on the floor. You know, on the on the close. Some days, you know, the big sell side comes in. There's always a bid for it, you know, some side. And then the same way on the buy side, when we've got huge to buy, there's a there's supply on both sides, Spencer. So what that means to me is that people are positioning themselves, you know, within their realm of understanding of the market. Think about it. If you're a, a big hedge fund manager, you're trying to really figure out what the future is. You've got to produce for your people. Right. And everybody, there's a lot of big opinions out there about the what the future will bring about tech and interest rates, about the taper, in fact, I mean, uh, uh, and how to position yourself to protect, uh, you know, uh, investments there. Are you looking at the Kathy Woods five-year approach? Are you looking at things shorter term? You know, are we, are we, is this war just going to go on for a while and really sort of eat away at, at, at a lot of uh, growth globally? Are, are we, are we going to get hit again with another vaccine? I mean, they're, they're moving parts. Right. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the most responsible thing I can say is that choppiness seems to be the way of the moment. Right. We had a really rough quarter. 
right? And, and you know, we'll. It's funny, and, and I've said it before that I think we need to stop using the the terms bullish, bearish, and all that because they seem irrelevant. But choppiness is definitely the uh, the landscape of the ocean at the moment. There, bud. All right. Uh, Bullard just said that he thinks that the federal funds rate should be at three and a half percent. That would be uh, <laughs> that's a long ways away from where we're at right now. Uh, I think the the market is pricing in like one and a half percent or one and three quarters percent, you know, in the next six months. So three and a half percent would be uh, would be uh, a lot. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, Peter, but the transports have gotten absolutely lost here. In the last, have you noticed that? Like, these well, no, no, I actually haven't. I, I, you know, I don't, unless it sort of comes into my world, I don't really focus on it. Although I have in the past lately, I haven't, but clearly a function of a price of of oil and choppiness there for sure. You know, I think we've got look, a a lot of Europe is now getting hit with COVID again. We've got it going, uh, the Far East as well with uh, China, and um, so that's it. You've got oil that is just a wild card at the moment, uh, you know. And I think the the war is weighing on people's uh, sentiment as far as travel goes. We I have a number of friends who went abroad to travel. They got to a country. They ended up getting COVID, and they ended up spending two and a half weeks there trying to get back to the states, you know, because they 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 te- they could not test negative. So yeah. look, you're going to see it. You're going to see the choppiness in all in all respects. Nothing seems to be going up except uh, you know. Look, Tesla had that wonderful little. Uh, a pop, you know, off its, I, I just find it fascinating the way, you know, people get all into one name and then they come out of, or, or, or a sector and then all out of it. We saw the meme stocks getting a nice little boost the other day. And then they're, you know, they start to fade. So it just feels that the, the inflow and outflow of money is, is, is exorbitant and, and, and but it's irrational. I, I'm going, I'm going to go with triple D uh, uh, and Joel's uh, irrational exuberance on one day and then irrational negativity on another. Uh, yes, I guess that's the story here. Uh, Peter Tuckman, Einstein of Wall Street, Wall Street Global Trading Academy. Link in the description for that. Peter, it is always a pleasure. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, enjoy, buddy boy. Enjoy the, enjoy the market. Yep, Guys, yep. we, we got to hop here because we got live trading with Benzinga going live momentarily ryan dunade and mitch ryan actually live from the benzinga hq somewhere around here so uh smash that like button check out benzinga pro pro.benzinga.com and that's all i've got for you guys have a great rest of your day good luck at the open and i'll see you guys a little bit later Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.